this week in Brunswick, Georgia. The alleged killers of Ahmad Arbery are on trial. In a video taken not by a bystander, but by one of the three white men accused of killing Arbery, who is black. In the video, you can see the men stalking Arbery in their vehicles as he ran through their neighborhood. Yesterday, in the courtroom, one of the defendants admitted on the stand that before they shot him, Arbery, quote, never threatened them verbally, never reached into his pockets. Quote, he was just running. Ahmad Arbery was not armed, and yet he was killed with a shotgun after being followed by three men in two pickup trucks for five minutes. Ahmad Arbery was running in their neighborhood, and they saw him not in the fullness, not as the fullness of a human being. They just noticed the color of his skin. When they looked at his face, they did not see somebody's child, somebody's friend. Now, perhaps that is because they were scared or because they were filled with hate or simply because they were misguided. But in any case, those three men failed to see him as a human being who, just like any of us, just like all of us, deserves the right to live. This week in our Torah portion, Vaishlach, Jacob. Jacob, our namesake, who becomes Israel. Jacob finally reunites with his brother Esau. They haven't seen each other for 20 years. It's quite the estrangement. They haven't seen each other for 20 years since Jacob stole Esau's blessing from their father Isaac. And their mother, Rebekah, warned Jacob that Esau might be so angry that he would kill him. And so Rebekah had him run away. And so many years later, we read about in this Torah portion, Jacob still feared after 20 years what his brother might do. Those men in Georgia, they too claim to have been afraid. And yet, when we look at Jacob's handling of his situation, it couldn't have been more different. Jacob was so afraid, in fact, that he split his camp into two. He split his family into two groups so that if Esau killed one of the groups, if Esau killed half of his family, hopefully at least the other half would get away. In spite of that fear, 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 hoping to make amends for what he had done so many years earlier. When they meet and Jacob sees his brother again, he finally exclaims, Ki alken ra'iti fanecha kirot panei Elohim. Seeing your face, my brother, is like seeing the face of God. Seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. What does that mean? How could possibly Jacob glimpse God in the face of his brother? The 20th century theologian Martin Buber 
believe that God is present when two people truly see one another in their fullness. In a moment of true relationship, God becomes manifest between them. Buber calls this an I-thou encounter, an encounter between one person, the, the I, and between another person, the thou. By the way, for all of you born after the 19th century, thou is just a fancy word for you. According to Buber, when we bring our full being to an encounter, when we approach another person while open to our own vulnerabilities, then we come to an encounter fully present and open to seeing the other person for who they truly are. We see them not just for who we expect them to be, based on our preconceived notions about them, such as based on their skin color. Buber says only when we approach another person like that are we able to inhabit the I of the I-thou dyad. And when the other person, the person we're standing across from, is vulnerable too, when they're willing to reveal all of their inner tenderness and their inner struggles, they become the thou in the I-thou dyad. And this is key, only when both are present, when I act as an I and you act as a thou, only then do we enter into true relationship. And that, according to Buber, is how we bring God into the world. It's only through relationship that we can experience holiness in our lives. And for those of us who have been in moments of true relationship, when we see a new baby for the first time, when someone comforts us after a loss, when we have a moment with a confidant, when we can empty our heart to them and be grateful that we have a friend like that, that, according to Buber, is how we bring holiness, godliness into the world. We look into their face and we see the face of God. In Buber's thinking, every encounter, each and every one, contains the opportunity to bring God and to bring holiness into the world. And yet those three men in Georgia, they banished God from that place. Their act of hate, their inability to see Ahmad Arbery's humanity, locked God out of the world. The British theologian Melissa Raphael takes on this idea of how to redeem God, how to bring holiness and humanity back to a God-forsaken place. In her book, The Female Face of God in Auschwitz, The Female Face of God in Auschwitz, she contends that the evil of the Nazis banished God from that most hellish of places. And yet, through relational acts of loving kindness from prisoner to prisoner, such as sharing with a fellow starving inmate half of one's tiny morsel of rotten bread, or an act like wiping the face, wiping the dirt and the blood and the ash 
off the face of a fellow inmate so you can see their full humanity. Raphael says through acts like that, they were able to bring an exiled God back into the world. Through Buberian I thou moments, they and we can make space for God. So when our world, when this world, when our community is marred by acts of hate, when it seems like God and goodness are nowhere to be found, may we see one another as Jacob saw his brother Esau, and may we bring God and love into the world. Shabbat shalom.